Hey there, quick check-in before we dive into today's episode. Hope all is well wherever you are listening to this in the world. It is quite beautiful getting into the fall here in Asheville, North Carolina, where I am located. So I wanted to remind you about a couple of upcoming things or tell you about it for the first time if you haven't heard about it before. So I have a few um, fun things coming up this month. And let's start with the one happening on October 19th. And this is something that it doesn't matter where you are listening in the world, you can sign up for. It is my monthly free class and it is called Energy Healing to Combat Stress. So I'm talking a lot this month about how stress impacts your hormones and how stress impacts really everything in your health. And Unfortunately, until we really start to learn how to handle our stress better, to um, reduce our stress, to utilize functions in our bodies that can actually take us into our calm rest and repair system, which is our parasympathetic nervous system, we can't actually heal. So when you're doing kind of all the things and you're not getting better, look to your stress and look to being in that sympathetic fight or flight nervous system all the time. And I hate to say this, but no matter what else you do, nothing's going to change if you don't get out of that sympathetic nervous system. So this uh, class on October 19th is all about how to do that. So I'm actually going to be sharing energy techniques that I use, that I utilize with my clients. Um, and it's pretty amazing sometimes how it can literally in one minute change how you feel. And if you are able to do these things consistently, it really does build up and kind of reteaches your body, you know, how to respond to stress and even work through sometimes in some cases, some underlying trauma and everything too. So I love it if you join me. That's on October 19th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The great thing is, even if you can't make it, I do send out a free recording afterwards um, that you can watch up to a week before it goes on my online school. So grab it while it's free, right? Because it becomes a paid thing once it goes up on my school. Um, so go to my website, christinegarvin.com, and you'll see sign up for the October 19th class right at the top of the page. The second thing I have going on is for people that are local to the area. So Asheville, but of course, you know, if you want to come up for a day trip from Greenville or Winston-Salem or Greensboro or Charlotte, you totally can. So my friend and colleague, Jen Ailey and I are doing a money, self-love, and hormones workshop. So this is going to be really, really juicy. We're going to get into how all of these are connected and how really working to regulate your nervous system is going to impact not only your health, but the money in your life too. So we're going to get into a lot of experiential stuff. And I use that word because that's something that I learned long ago in in my uh, holistic health program, but I know that's not necessarily a, a word that's used all the time. That basically means we're just going to do a lot of fun exercises together and not just fun, but we're going to get deep, right? There's going to be some really good stuff that you're going to learn about yourself and some really great visualization of your future that's happening in that. And it's in this super cozy space in Swananoa. It's called East Acupuncture Wellness Center. And we're going to get cozy with some tea and some gluten-free cookies and lots of good fun and figuring out what is going on for us and getting out of that stress state. So if you want to be there, we only have 12 spots available. So go ahead and grab your ticket ASAP. You can go to my website also and grab a ticket there or look in the show notes. You can um, go to the link via there. It's $39 for a two hour workshop, three to 5 PM on that October 22nd. Um, and we're also going to do some fun giveaways in there too. So it's just going to be a really, really um, super, super good time. I'm excited about that a lot. So I think that is it for now. Um, I hope speaking of 
stress, although today's episode doesn't necessarily focus completely on stress, it does focus on toxins and how toxins can create stress in the body. So it's coming at us from all directions, right? But I love Alex Stewart, who is the guest today, her approach to what she calls the low tox lifestyle. So you're going to learn all about that. She's definitely a leader in this field and has tons of resources on our website. So after you listen to the interview, I recommend checking out her website. So anyways, I hope that you enjoy it and I will talk to you soon. Hey there, and welcome to Hormonally Speaking. I'm your host, Christine Garvin, a functional health coach. Each week, I speak with an incredible guest expert on all things women's hormones. We're here to empower you to take back control of your body, health, and well-being, and to learn about the latest in research and solutions when it comes to getting your hormones happy. No part of this podcast should be construed as medical advice, and we always recommend working with a professional practitioner to figure out what's best for your body. Now let's dive in with today's guest. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Hormonally Speaking. This week we have a very fun and fascinating episode for you because this is a topic, we've talked about it on the podcast before. I know if you've listened to me for a while, you know that chemicals can have an impact on your hormones. But I think a lot of us don't know necessarily the sort of nitty gritty of that and really how much they can make a difference on not just our hormones, but our overall health, right? And that unfortunately Mm. we are surrounded by so many chemicals in so many places in our lives now, and we may not know that they're there. So I brought on an expert in this area and her name is Alex Stewart and her passions run wide and deep. She founded the online community and education hub, Low Tox Life in 2010 and is responsible for birthing the low tox movement with the phrase low tox, which has resonated with people around the world. Her international best-selling book, Low Tox Life, and podcast by the same name have supported millions in achieving their personal home and planet health goals. She is a sought-after speaker and consultant to organizations committing to change for good, whether it's a focus on people's health or the planets. You can find her at lowtoxlife.com. Welcome, Alex. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Christina. I'm super excited. Oh, I'm so happy to have you here and share all of this amazing information that I know you know. And you know, I really just want to point everybody to, as soon as you finish listening to this, go to your website because it's so nicely laid out in terms of breaking down you know, the things that we're going to talk about today and probably going way, way past that and giving so much information to everybody. So, so thank you for putting that resource together because I know it can you know, be hard for people to find these things sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want people to feel like they can do this. You know, it is so, we live in such a high tox world. Mm -hmm. High tox is the norm. High tox is everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so low tox can sometimes feel really overwhelming Mm -hmm. and you're literally going against the grain. You're often going against family members. So there's a big psychological piece Mm -hmm. to the mental health journey of making change for yourself and for the planet. And uh, I, I take the responsibility super strongly as to how people feel when they're on my watch. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's really nice to hear that you think it's a helpful um, website. Yeah. And that's such an important point that you just brought up that I think a lot of times people don't think about going in, right? That mm. it, it you are going to be sort of going up against just things that are so a part of every everyday life, right? Yeah. Like mm. you go to the store, you go to Target or wherever, and to you like work, <laughs> right? You know, you go to the bathroom and right. you hit with hormone disruptors, whether they're a um, a luxury workplace yes. that has scented candles on the vanity, or whether they've got those timed fresheners. Like it hits you everywhere, and everywhere. so you're gonna have to have if you really want to do this. You have to know how to have conversations with your loved ones, Mm -hmm. with your workplace, with school, if they're spraying those things around Mm. your tiny people. Mm -hmm. Um, And my job is to not only make you super confident in the science and the why, Mm -hmm. um, but then to also take people along the journey with you 
that don't feel like you are um, accosting them, nagging them, um, <laughs> yes. just running around saying everything's toxic, you're doing the wrong thing. I mean, that does not work with a husband or a teenager, let me tell you right now. So, um, you know, it's really about the whole, it's not just about swap this for that, but there's mm-hmm. a lot that goes into creating the change as a ripple effect. And mm-hmm. it's kind of exciting for people who are up for that. Then yeah. I'm here. Yeah. So how did you find yourself doing this work? I mean, I'm sure (laughs) you've got a beautiful Mm. story to share. I do. It's a long one. So I'm going to go short so that we can help people today (laughs) uh, because I know um, that people need the help. So easiest way for me to explain it is I had uh, a couple of health crises that led me towards more holistic approaches. Mm. One was um, recurrent tonsillitis. And uh, that got me to the point where I was antibiotic resistant. So that's a pretty Mm, scary place to be if you've never known anything other than conventional medicine. And let me just say, I am not a a doctor basher. I do not. I mean, if I have a a really bad infection or um, my arm is fractured, there are so many crisis care situations once something is clinical that a doctor can absolutely be the best health professional that you can go see. But what I found in my own life was when I got to this antibiotic resistance with strep, there were no further suggestions for me. So I had to look outside the box. When I didn't get a period for two years and was diagnosed with early onset menopause and was not given any further suggestions, I had to look outside the box because something, thank goodness, inside me said, I don't think you're done yet. I right. don't think you've got all the possible answers. Because and you were was... pretty young, right? You were like 27 or 28. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so um, it was thanks to a girlfriend who um, was a bit of a hippie chick saying, have you ever thought about seeing a naturopath? And I was like, what's that? <laughs> I had no idea. This was nearly 20 years ago. These were not people that the average Joe would consider putting on your health team. Like right. these days I have, you know, the naturopath, the um, physical therapist, the Cairo, the doctor, integrative doctor. And that's, that's my team. Yeah. Like that's a really good comprehensive team. Yeah, and I absolutely. see different people on that team for different reasons. Mm. And then sometimes they've had to work together if I've hit a crisis point, like I did with mold a few years ago, which mm. we can talk about as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really in those initial waves of two big health things happening in my late twenties and a naturopath flat out in like a matter of weeks for my period that came back online and wow. a matter of days for tonsillitis cure that came um, uh, to be a body that could heal itself from tonsillitis uh, that I thought, oh my gosh, there's all these other things implicating our health. Like she helped me realize that gluten for some reason could be genetic, could be overgrowth of strep naturally in my body at the mm. time because mm-hmm. there's a bit of a research link there as well. It's just not my food. Mm-hmm. Now, am I going to tell you you can't have your sourdough if you feel fine and fantastic and it works for you? And no, of course not. But it does <laughs> right. not work for me. Right. And uh, it totally burdens my immune system. And I can tell you if I've been glutened, I feel my glands go up. Really? Yep. It's like it starts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a really big one for my immune system. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just sucks, but it mm-hmm. is what it is. And it's but respecting the- that, right? Exactly. Yeah. And t- and then what I found, Christine, was so important to not becoming this woe is me 28-year-old who was like, oh, my gosh, my life is over. I can't eat a croissant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, because you become a bit of a social leper, especially yeah. 20 years ago, there weren't gluten-free cafes. No. There was no gluten-free food no. in the supermarket. But the gift there ended up being that I had to ditch ultra-processed food right. because gluten was in all of it. We did not have gluten-free cheesy puffs, gluten-free Oreos. <laughs> no, right. None of that None stuff None of existed. that was there, yep. And so that was a really big gift because it was at a time where I then dramatically saw the change in my health when I changed from ultra processed food 
product-based eating mm-hmm. uh, to produce-based eating. Mm. Um, I know you guys say produce. Um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> and it was I like the way you huge, say it better. <laughs> <laughs> it was a huge game changer for me because I'd never made that link. I was a kid who grew up in Chicago in the 70s mm-hmm. and then Sydney in the, um, and London and Sydney in the 80s and 90s. I was a big city kid and mm-hmm. big city kids with busy parents ate a ton of processed food. They still do today. In fact, it's worse. We are at 60 to 70% in the US of ultra processed food yeah. here in Australia and New Zealand. We're not too far behind it around 55, 60. Mm-hmm. So it's um, for me, the biggest game changer mm. is ditching ultra processed food. And I think when people are chronically unwell and they start looking for answers, they tend to find the food answers first. The mm-hmm. personal care and cleaning comes later when you're kind of in those communities and then someone maybe asks a question about toothpaste or whatever and you're like, oh, yeah, I never considered my toothpaste. That yeah. was definitely what it was like for me. So a few yeah. years later, baby shower, excited about my baby boy, grateful to all my friends who give you all those gifts to set up your nursery. And I thought, oh, I you know, got really good at reading food labels, so let's have a look at this stuff. Oh my gosh, I was horrified. Right. <laughs> it was like, it's scary. Whoa. And firstly, 14 years ago, you had to get a book out in the library to look up most stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. people don't realize how quickly things have um, come online, but it was essentially, I was finding two groups of chemicals that were concerning. Not all chemicals are bad. Chemical free is not a term I use because that's a misnomer, mm-hmm. um, but there were endocrine disruptive chemicals. Mm-hmm. And I know this is a big one for your audience. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's hormones that can either block or, or mimic the natural signaling of, um, say, our sex hormones. They can fiddle with our thyroid hormones as well, anything in the endocrine system, basically. Mm-hmm. And then the others were the carcinogenic chemicals, either potentially carcinogenic or probably definitely carcinogenic Mm -hmm. they were all in there in varying degrees varying names and I thought what kind of a world have we birthed that allows this kind of stuff to be in baby products let alone in um, mainstream adult products so um, it became you know I was always in teaching training motivation uh, in both hospitality and in the cosmetics industry actually funnily enough I can tell you some (laughs) stories about my health during those years oh I bet um but, uh, yeah, I, I just thought I, I feel like people need some support here. I was yeah. hearing from friends that were like, oh, okay, so what are you, so how are you doing that then? And what are you choosing? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the first clue that other people might be out there needing that support. Mm-hmm. And so Lotox was born. That's wow. how it all started. Wow. What a, what a journey. And I mean, I think so many of us that end up on a health journey, it's because we've gone through something, you know, pretty yeah. traumatic ourselves for sure, you know, and, and we end up working in it after we've gone mm-hmm. through it ourselves and probably yeah. we'll go through several, several layers of it over the years. Right. But when you talked about food being sort of that first, you know, gateway into sort mm. of looking at toxins, what are some of the things besides like going to that produce place what do you recommend that people do in terms of trying to bring down toxins in their life? Mm-hmm. So are we talking about like when it comes to choosing foods? Let's talk about when it comes to choosing foods, what um, what ways that you, like you, you know, said for yourself that you found out gluten was an issue for you. Mm, are there certain yeah. uh, paths that you point yes, people on it. in terms of figuring those things out? Yeah. Look, I think one of the things that we've done by following gurus for dietary advice or even health guidelines from governments, frankly, which we know can unfortunately be bought and and sold, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, is that we have lost that internal conversation with what actually suits us on a bio-individual level. Mm -hmm. We have different ancestries. We have different genetics. We have different epigenetics. So Therefore, at different times in our lives, different food mixes work best for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have preconception needs where we need to really focus on, um, you know, all of those nutrients that are going to help us grow a human. Uh, but it, it's it's impossible to say there is one perfect diet for everyone. So mm, produce yes. focused is the first step. Mm-hmm. 
And then have a think about, I think it's always interesting to think about where you come from genetically um, and look back. Like there's there's a food combination that works for me, keeps me full for hours, and it is salmon, potatoes, sour cream, and dark leafy greens of some kind, like, and a ton of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of a meal Mm-hmm. is like so deeply nourishing and satisfying mm. to me and I don't need to think about food for like five hours mm. after I've eaten something like that. There's no need for emotional eating after that. There's no rummaging around. There's no browsing the fridge. Mm-hmm. It's deeply satisfying. And I have a lot of ancestry in Scotland. So I was, big yeah, wild I was fish like, area. <laughs> it's got to be yeah. a fish place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And I think we have to think about those things. Yep. We have to start thinking, wow, yeah, when I eat that way, I feel really well. I don't feel heavy. I don't feel foggy in my brain. Yeah. Um, that tends to work for me. Um, yeah. Grains tend not to work for me. And I can tell that I have, if I have biscuits, at a friend's house, then even if they're gluten-free, that's great, but often that's with rice flour mm-hmm. or other types of grains. The next day I will not be on game. Mm-hmm. I will like be procrastinating and looking out the window and be, <laughs> oh, God, yeah, I'll do another Quirtle puzzle. And, you know, um, it's it's so funny. Once you start to tune in, you're like, oh, yeah. And maybe a food diary can be helpful to people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if we think about those chief food groups that can burden immune systems, um, and that can be due to modern processing as well as the food itself, we know that glyphosate um, residue, for example, can affect the microbiome and therefore affect mm-hmm. our mood, brain, etc. Not to mention the microbiome itself, and um, and I think if we think about immune burden, you know, you go straight to those big allergen groups, the gluten, the dairy, soy, potentially for some people, um, grains could be a whole thing, but at the very top is always the junk. Mm-hmm. So if you have an issue with the junk, if, if you see junk food, as a, oh, I should try to cut down. Or if someone hands you a um, cherry ripe and you're like, yeah, no, I probably shouldn't. And you're not completely convinced and unfazed in your mind that that is just something you don't eat. Yeah. Then there's work to do there mm. before you go into anything else. Mm-hmm. And I always think the easiest way to ditch the junk is to learn about the junk food industry, mm. to read those books like um, Salt, Sugar, Fat, or, you know, those classic yes. books that have been out for years now that really uncovered Marion Nestle's work yeah. and Michael Pollan's work. Yes. Um, and one of the things that's happening right now, I don't know if you've seen these, but um, you know, a lot of these memes that are happening on social media that I don't mm-hmm. know what the difference is in terms of, I think you guys definitely have stricter um, quality, you know, uh, what's allowed. Bit, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, I get, you know, in Europe, I know for sure it's stricter Much. than what we are allowed in the US, right? And so there's these memes that have been putting the same food side by side, right? And these are all yeah. boxed foods. These are all processed foods. But still the fact that, you know, color food coloring isn't allowed in in European versions mm. of them, you know, all of these things that we know because studies have been done to show us yeah. that those things, you know, like that it red will, 40, for example, right, right. Yeah. It'll, you know, yeah. kids, we know that it causes hyperactivity in kids, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And then we have that exact same product in the US with 20 more ingredients, all these chemicals. And I really think that's a powerful thing for people to see right now, right? Yes. Because it is like, okay, this is a concrete thing. We do have the studies. This isn't things that we're just making up and we can see this mm. side by side that they can, you know, Absolutely. We all have to work towards um, getting away from a lot of processed foods, but in Mm. that movement towards that, you know, it's like, okay, here are these foods that don't have to be as bad as they are. You know, absolutely. And I always say to parents, like, because if you're trying to transition yourself and you're on board, mm-hmm. chances are your kids and your husband might be quite a few steps behind you in 100%. mental excitement for <laughs> the transition. Yeah. Um, but if you could go from like 
barbecued jalapeno chips yeah. to plain potato chips mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or plain corn chips and add a whole food dip like a guacamole. Yes. And yes. then you have infinitely improved that yep. snack situation, but people are still getting the chips. Yep. So there's like, there's still like, it's, you know, Jamie Oliver says this so well, you want to always transition people with something familiar, something new. Mm-hmm. You never mm-hmm. want to just cold turkey people right. who didn't sign up because they're like like, no grains and they're like what (laughs) they're like uh but (laughs) bread is not a grain right I mean like people don't even know at the time you know yeah yeah exactly um and then could you go from a sliced white to a um supermarket still sliced Mm -hmm. and it says sourdough it's not the full you know shebang but it's still at least going to not have a lot of those additives. And yeah. then you go find a bakery at a farmer's market. Like mm-hmm. you step it out mm-hmm. into baby steps. Mm-hmm. And I think key is making it a journey of discovery. And mm-hmm. when we speak to hormone health specifically, um, the interesting thing about ditching the junk and the processed foods is we are ditching soft plastic packaged mm-hmm. foods. And soft plastic packaging is packed with phthalates that's ph t-h-a-l-a-t-s and so we're literally removing one of the chief daily hormone disruptive Mm. uh, exposures by switching to that produce so it is such a win on so many levels and Um, and that's something a lot of people don't think about right is that that plastic that these things come in packaged in it's sitting in the back of a truck yeah. or in the back of a uh, shipping container in a hot sun. We know that you don't microwave things with, plas- you know, right. in a plastic bowl, for example, right. um, or takeaway container uh, if you've still got a microwave. But uh, so why is it any different with the food that's being driven down a highway in the hot sun? Like that's being essentially heated up yeah. in plastic before yeah. it gets to the supermarket and goes on a cold shelf. So yeah. it's um, it's really something that a lot of people miss on the why we're ditching the processed foods. But yeah. that for me, when we speak about hormones yeah. and when we know that phthalates can affect the the formation of male baby genitalia, mm. uh, it's right there in the research. Um, mm-hmm. There are so many documentaries now that speak to this, so many research papers, so yeah. many podcasts with professors and PhDs. You know, it doesn't even yeah. need to be just you and me, regular gals, helping people out through coaching. But it's... Literally everybody in yeah. uh, endocrinology now is very, very worried about these. Yeah. You now finally have oncologists suggesting that the number one thing that their patients get rid of is fragrance and soft plastic packaged foods. Um, so it's very, very exciting after yeah, having right. campaigned this and literally so said, long. hello, yeah. <laughs> is anyone worried about this stuff? You're like, I but have like- all the evidence, please <laughs> listen. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm just mm-hmm. so excited every time I see it in a newspaper, every time I see an MP in a parliament somewhere saying, you know what, we've got to do a a commission, a study on this. And it's very, I'm, I'm excited that we're finally reaching a point where it's inarguable and I don't care who paid who, how much to run an election. Um, we're starting to really see the truth come through anyway, which is very exciting. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about getting back to nature in whatever way we can, right? Is that we cut out so many of the issues that have been created Mm -hmm. by getting away from nature, you know? So it's like going to your farmer's market, getting your produce directly from the person that grew it. You know, it's like you're you're just cutting so many of the major issues out that That's we it. have in our world right now, right? That's it. Yeah. But then the major issue that often pops up, Christine, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen this working with people, but I sure have, and I've experienced it myself, is you switch the produce. For me, I medically had to. So mm. I actually had to figure out how to cook because mm-hmm. I couldn't medically go back. Like yeah. I would literally just catch tonsillitis again like that. Wow. Wow. So, it was like, okay, oh my gosh, how do I cook and make things taste nice? Right. And this is huge. I mean, how many times have we seen people in your country, like the skit, like, you know, a six year old unable to identify a vegetable, um, uh, you know, and, uh, um, and look at the cafeteria food. So, nowhere yeah. you look as a kid growing up, 
does food look, unless you're lucky right. to either be in a privileged family that can afford yeah. um, to get a, a nice big CSA box every week, you know, mm-hmm. it, a, a whole system of poverty eating is yeah. subsidized by massive food corporations. Right. Um, so, you know, to then try and move people over from that and take agency around their health and their food, you can't miss the skills piece. Yeah. You yeah. Can't, you cannot say just, you know, switch to produce. You'll be fine because after three days of eating a badly cooked chicken breast and crudités, everyone's going to go, uh, no, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, when I was writing one of my courses, uh, Thrive, which helps parents instill rock star kind of food values in mm-hmm. kids, um, what I did to prepare for that course was I, I called out and my son was in kindy at the time. So mm-hmm. he was five. Mm-hmm. I called out to my kindy class of mums and I said, who's got a fussy eating child? Can I please have them over for dinner? Mm-hmm. Uh, like a couple of nights a week for two weeks. And can I just test out some theories that I have on what's worked with me teaching my own child? I come from a French background. It's a bit of a different way of doing things. You know, mm-hmm. There are books about <laughs> um, how French kids eat everything and all that kind of stuff, which is unfortunately um, that tide is turning and, right. and um, the uh, Americanization of food has kind taken of over yeah. the whole world. It's yeah. Sad. Um, but you know, like I always say, it hasn't been around for long, so it ain't going to take long to fix it if we really, really want to. That's, I, like I'm, I just, we have to be positive, right? Yep. And so I would have these kids over and kids who would gag at eating zucchini or broccoli, and I would just bathe it in, um, butter butter i was gonna say let me get some butter (laughs) yeah Uh, Yeah. and these kids would wolf these vegetables down and i'm like that's really interesting because if you think by like biochemically about that um a lot of vegetables have fat soluble vitamins in them Mm -hmm. that require fats to convert those vitamins and then all of a sudden that becomes a very attractive deeply Mm -hmm. at the cellular level nourishing food Mm -hmm. just by adding some healthy fats absolutely Uh, and You know, it it really started to make me think. Same with carrots. So all I had to do was add butter to these veggies, and the kids (laughs) would eat them. Done, yeah, yeah. Or olive oil and roast them so they had little crunchy edges, like the broccoli florets. Oh, so good. Yeah. When I lived in Oakland, you know, there was um, Mm. West Oakland was considered a food desert, right? So for those who haven't heard of that before, it just means that. There's no grocery store available really, or very few. And a lot of people didn't have access to making it to other parts of the city Mm -hmm. necessarily, you know, so they had liquor stores that had, you know, maybe, (laughs) maybe some bananas in there, maybe some wilted lettuce. And then imagine being able to have a liquor store and not a supermarket. I mean, I I think there were literally maybe like 30 to 40 liquor stores just in that neighborhood, you know, I mean, it's a pretty big neighborhood, but still no grocery stores. And so there was a organization that actually kids, you know, 19 year old kids, but kids nonetheless started called the people's grocery. And it was all about mm. trying to build a co-op, a co-op grocery store in Oakland. But on the process of getting to that place, they um, did a lot of these programs. And one of the things that they did was called collards and commerce. And they taught the kids how to grow vegetables, how to cook the vegetables, how to sell the vegetables. And so it was Mm. all of these things, right? Because they were having to go back and teach their families Mm. how to cook these foods because it hadn't been part of their no. families in a long time and they have been a and generation that's no one's before. fault no yeah, absolutely exactly. not and so much of mm. this country is actually a food desert you know and mm. so d- teaching all of those components it was just to me that that was revolutionary right because yeah. it's like you're talking about uh learning how to feed yourself learning how to feed your family learning how to grow the food and learning how to make money off of doing that too was just yeah. such a powerful thing Absolutely. Uh, And it cuts poverty cycles. It cuts crime cycles because human beings need food, shelter, and love. Yep. And when we have those things, we are not desperate. We do not act out. Right. We do not 
you know, we don't act out of desperation. Right. And right. I always say desperate people do desperate things. So if yes. we can give people the basics, yeah. then we solve a lot of problems. Yeah. And I know this is way off helping women in hormones. But I'm a big fan of a tangent, Christine, so don't worry. It's all good. Um, but it is a real problem. Like we say, oh, you've got to eat produce, but like, Okay, so how? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. how do we get it to people? How mm -hmm. do we get people cooking? How do we get people excited about cooking? Mm -hmm. And um, I don't. It's available in a few places in America. Like I'm sure you could find it online. My second book wasn't as widely released as my first one, but mm -hmm. it's called Low Tox Life Food. Okay, and it speaks to helping step people through. Okay, what is regenerative agriculture? Like, mm -hmm. how do we start shopping for a healthier planet? Yeah. How do we respect the fact that different people need to eat differently biologically? Yeah. So how can our vegan friends, paleo friends, um, you know, everybody come together and yeah. where are the overlaps and how can we sit at the same table and still love each other? Mm. We can work on food waste. We can work on banquet style eating so everyone can find a place at the table, you know, really just build back this beautiful, inclusive nature that food offers us yes. um, when we then learn some of those basic, you know, what do I do when I've got left? leftovers in my fridge and yeah. I actually so you'll have five ways to reuse those potatoes that are left over from last night or the broccoli stalks that you were going to throw away in the bin um starting a worm farm and getting your kids interacting with nature and seeing what the worms like to eat what they don't you nice. know and then you don't have any waste going right. to landfill right and really that whole picture of reconnecting with the food system as it naturally should be yeah I think is a very um special journey and it's one that you don't then think oh, no, I shouldn't. I'm trying to cut down mm. about junk anymore. It's just right. like, why would I fund that reality? Right. Uh, because it's not a reality that got us to a very good place when it comes to our health, right? Right. Absolutely. Mm. And and I love the way that you kind of weave all of this together because so much of what we're missing health-wise too is that sort of connection, mm -hmm. community, and food has always been about connection and community, right? It's like yeah. we ate together for all of time. That's it. <laughs> and How then, good is that for our hormones? Right, right? exactly. You know, you know? and yeah. it's, it's mm. just so nurturing is the word that kind of comes to me when I, when I think about that. And, and so I'm, I'm like, so inspired. I'm like, I'm getting all your books, but I think I'm <laughs> glad that you brought that particular book up because I do think because women are so um, busy right now with mm. so many things, they're just like, I don't even know where to start at this point. That's it. You know? and, and for sure, I help guide them, you know, piece by piece. But I think having these different options and these different ideas is just so, so important because I think most of the women that I work with me too also want to be able to um, be a part of the health of the planet too, you yeah. know, not just That's like it. their families. Absolutely. And when we're doing something that's bigger than us, that taps into a much deeper sense of satisfaction and mm -hmm. health mm -hmm. as a as a metric. I mean, we know there's a lot of research around, you know, whether you pre prescribe to blue zones per se or other mm -hmm. studies around older humans, what overlaps, no matter what the study on older, healthy humans is, is purpose, mm -hmm. you know, Absolutely. is that sense that you are doing something bigger than you mm -hmm. um, that gives to the greater good. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we live in a time where unfortunately um, polarization is very profitable and uh, from a technological perspective, as well as a societal perspective, yep. as well as a political perspective. Yeah. Um, but purpose for the greater good, like thinking like the Iroquois Nation uh, Native Americans who say act with the seventh generation in mind. Mm -hmm. And if we start to make those choices based on the seventh generation, mm -hmm. boy, would we start choosing differently if we really yep. sat with the reality of that. And yeah. the thing I love about that is, yes, it might sound like a really big picture idea and we should be trying to help people with hormones right now, but the thing is, like so many of these these deeper senses of connection, purpose are missing and yes. are desperately important to our overall health as well yes. as our hormone health. Yes, And so if, I, I always like to mention some of these bigger things because it like sets off little lights in people and they think, yeah, you know, maybe is there a community garden here? I don't even know. Right. And right. then like 
jump on in and get involved. And then boom, your hands are in the dirt, you're grounding, you're lowering your blood pressure. That stress is going down. allows your hormones to work well because you're not in fight or flight anymore. Yeah, I mean, boom, right? It's all connected. And that's why low-tox life is so vast. Everyone's like, you've got to niche. When I first started my business, I'm like, Mm, no (laughs) because it's all just and I can always call on amazing people like Christine if I need some hormone Mm -hmm. chats then you know you're my girl but like everything for me is connected and it's the web yeah yeah and I think I I mean it's so important to have people like you you know really showing us how everything is connected because yes the individual things are helpful but like when we we can get too caught up in this, like, okay, Mm. I'm going to focus on this one area. And what you just said, you know, I I was thinking about uh, in one of my programs, I teach about how in, you know, some of the more traditional cultures, the uh, shift to menopause is Mm -hmm. much easier, right? In general, it is something that, you know, especially in um, Asian countries, a lot of the Asian countries, it, it's not even kind of a, a blip versus here in America, mm. it's like 10 years of hell <laughs> leading up to menopause, you know? And, oh, yay. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and we're all working on that right now. But, you know, it, it, I think all of what we're talking about today is is the why. People don't understand yeah. why. They're like, tell us exactly, you know, what they're doing. And it's like, this is what they're doing. They're living in community. They're eating real food. They're, you know, being connected to nature and earth and not in that constantly stress out state that we are in, yeah. in, in the U S right That's now, it. you know? So, yeah. yeah. So a, yeah. So I want to make sure that we have enough time to talk about some of the things that um, impact. I, I love how you talked about, you know, the, the food and the plastics, because I think so many women think mm-hmm. about, Oh, I don't it's drink massive. out of a plastic bottle anymore, but I will eat food that comes out of plastic and they don't even think about it. But let's talk about, you know, things that everyday women use, like to wash their face, to, you know, put mm-hmm. makeup on things in their house. Let, let's uh, yeah. get everybody updated on that. Okay. So I think the most important thing to focus in on is uh, your phthalate exposure. Mm-hmm. So I've already mentioned it with the soft plastics. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to personal care, cleaning products, things we surround ourselves with in our home, Um, where it shows up is in those big, long-lasting fragrances. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you shampoo your hair and you've chosen that brand because you just love that smell Mm -hmm. and you love that your hair still smells like that, like all the way until the next time you shampoo your head. Um, That's not normal, folks. I was like, I don't think I've had that that for years. I'm like, I forgot that that's what they do. Yeah, yeah. I remember choosing my shampoo based on the super smelly, delicious vibe. Herbal essences or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, for me, it was Garnier. I was a Garnier girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and I think, you know, if you think about your fabric softener, if you're still using a mainstream fabric softener, it's not normal for clothes to smell like the wash the next Mm -hmm. day. Like Mm -hmm. that is not right. And the reason those phthalates can do that is some marketer at some point, I would love to find the original uh, comms piece on this, but basically they decided to articulate a problem that we did not have, which was that our fragrances did not last long. Mm. And if you could if you could create the story that a long lasting fragrance equals success, then you could market phthalates to manufacturers and say, if you use this chemical, a plasticizer, sticky compound Mm -hmm. in your formulations, then the fragrances that you put in there will last a lot longer. Mm. So what you also have, it's a double-edged sword with fragrances because you also have the issue that not only are phthalates in there, but up to 150 different chemicals under the umbrella term fragrance or parfum mm-hmm. can be used and many of them are either potential carcinogen, probable carcinogen uh, or a hormone disruptor and uh, we're not going to know what they are. Uh, it's even hard to find out ingredient details by writing to manufacturers yeah. um, because of proprietary information. Right. So somewhere along the line, the fragrance of a product became associated with the brand success of that product and Uh, therefore legally it was deemed that they could keep that a secret because that wouldn't be right if someone else could copy that. 
So uh, any of those 150 right. chemicals could be in right. there whenever you see yeah. the word parfum, right? And everybody's mm-hmm. like, ooh, thinking it's some like French lavender or something. <laughs> no, that's uh, it's been a long time since that's been the case. <laughs> right. Um, so if you see a little asterisk and it says made using only, um, you know, fragrance is 100% natural essential oils, mm. um, then that will be okay. But you mm-hmm. definitely still want to write to your manufacturer if you see things like with natural lavender um, mm. because that you always when you say when you hear with it's like made with real fruit right. on a junk food item <laughs> right and then you're like that like, does not tell me the whole story you're like you it's like two percent strawberries <laughs> yeah 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 exactly you always have to follow up and say what else is it made with right. now in food we get to see the whole story by flipping it over and looking at the ingredients. Mm-hmm. Thank gosh, we've mm-hmm. still got that. Yeah. Um, but in personal care cleaning products and um, home care uh, fragrance products, you do not get the whole story. Mm-hmm. And that is why, in fact, unless a company says everything that's in their product, which many do now, in the low-tox space, we are totally mm-hmm. spoilt for choice. That's the good news. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ones who don't, just run the other way. Just say no. Honestly, <laughs> it's not worth your time. Yeah, yeah. just say no. <laughs> exactly. Um, we're, ta- so, we're taking yeah, that that's my advice. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Yeah. And yeah. I can't tell you, I mean, for me, ditching for fragrances, leaving the cosmetics industry, yeah. I all of a sudden became a person who did not have migraines and headaches every Mm. second day. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to have to sleep off a migraine, pop a couple of super strong painkillers and hit the Clarins beauty bed like the girls would cover for me while the manager was on lunch so I could have a nap and sleep off the migraine and get back to work. That wasn't weird though, Christine. That's the thing. On that cosmetic floor, we had period problems. We had women who couldn't get pregnant. We had migraines, headaches, allergies. All of us were riddled with bizarre health conditions that are not normal. Wow. Um, and Did we anybody bathed... think at that point? Nope. Nope. Yeah. Not yeah. at all. Yeah. Not at all. None of us were having that, that conversation. This was, um, say, late 90s, early 2000s. So it's very, very new that people have started connecting mm-hmm. the dots. But when mm-hmm. I left the fragrance industry, mm-hmm. I also left my migraines and headaches behind. Wow. That for me, like I've coached 6,000 people through my Golotox course and that is the number one success story that I hear. Oh, my gosh, I just I don't get headaches anymore. This is so weird. Yeah. Uh, I don't know myself without painkillers. And then let's think about what painkillers do. They affect the liver. The liver processes the hormones. Boom, another hormone problem solved. Yeah, absolutely. And gut gut issues too that come from, yeah, Yeah. that's, that's incredible because migraines certainly is one of the biggest things I think that, you know, clients come to me for too, you know, Mm. and it's like, a lot of times we're going to look to histamine and we're going to look to estrogen levels, but really thinking about how these chemicals all impact those things too. Because if you are surrounded by synthetic chemicals in your breathing environment, for example, like you have one of those air fresheners plugged in or a scented candle, um, then that is affecting your histamine levels. That affects your estrogen levels I mean it's all we keep coming back to it's all connected yeah yeah absolutely one of the things too that you know I didn't even it was funny when I first started making the shift and you know I I had a fibroid and had to I won't go into the whole long story right now most my listeners know it but um you know post-surgery post everything that happened I was like okay I really have to shift these things because especially with fibroids Mm -hmm. ovarian cysts things like that yeah you have to look at the toxins right in in your environment and um just even the fact that everything comes in plastic too right Mm. it's like just moving over to a shampoo bar, you know, that mm. comes just wrapped in, um, you know, a, a piece of paper or what have you and getting out those things that aren't going to be able to be recycled. Cause we like to think mm. we're going to finish with that, that big thing of shampoo, even if it was natural shampoo and not, you know, but chemical full, but you still have that plastic bottle mm. that you're going to put in recycling that we now know is not going to get recycled. <laughs> 
that's it. And yeah. and so again, here we are connecting to you pull back, you try and especially move away from plastics where you can. We can't get away from plastics 100%. There's just no way. And, no. you know, in and our yeah. World. And I always say to people, like, if there are a couple of things, like you mentioned the shampoo, but unfortunately mm-hmm. for me, I tried them all. And uh, I still have yet it. to find one that doesn't. I've got really long, fine, thick hair. It's not a great combo for bars. Yeah. It just, I, I just end up with this big dreadlock, just one. Um, <laughs> You're like, here uh, it is. <laughs> yeah. It looks really cool on my African-American friend to have dreadlocks. It does not look cool for this white girl to have one dreadlock um, that is one whole mass of hair. Uh, and so I, um, I ended up with the, um, with the saying to help people who just like need to be cut slack or the Mm -hmm. odd thing isn't going to be the perfect low tox Mm -hmm. version. Mm -hmm. And that saying is you do what you do most of the time. Mm -hmm. So you can go with the flow some of the time. Mm, I like it. And so kind of like the 80, 20 rule, right? Exactly. And Mm -hmm. for me, that's ended up being more like a 95, five. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But that 5% is my mental health. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's my, I really love my hair and the product that I found. And yes, it's in plastic, but they do refillable bottles and we've found, you Mm -hmm. know, a great brand for Mm -hmm. that. Um, It's my having, uh, having like fish and chips at the beach with friends because that's what everyone's having and I don't want to say no to my son and we brought our own organic salads um, (laughs) and everybody else is eating something else and you are socially ostracized like just sometimes you gotta go with the flow you gotta love the moment and all the toxins that come with that moment because the human body can rebound it can bounce back it can process the odd exposure what it cannot do though is this 24-7, day in, day out, year in, year out exposure Mm -hmm. to all of the toxic soup that we're Mm -hmm. in. And so for me that is a really nice little happy place to land Mm -hmm. where you realise that you are not going to be able to control every single day Mm -hmm. and every single choice and you're sometimes going to want to cut yourself some slack and choose um, the low-tox nail polish that's not completely no-tox or the, you know, hair care product that's in plastic or... I think everybody has their own line that they end up drawing Um, and that's okay. This is your journey. It's not a protocol. It's not a guru sort of vibe where you have to do it my way or the highway. Yeah. Well, I think this is a perfect place to end on because it's like it really summarized what life should be about, right? It's like we are doing the best that we can and we have to have some fun you know, Mm -hmm. in there too, but you've shared so much today. I could talk to you for like five hours because I know that you have so many good things. We can talk to it. Don't (laughs) worry. Exactly. But in the meantime, remind people where they can find you. So it's really easy. Low Tox Life is the name of everything I do. Mm. So if you want to hit the podcast, we've got nearly 300 shows, amazing, amazing guests. Uh, that's Low Tox Life, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. If you want to hit the website, lowtoxlife.com. On Instagram, you'll find me at lowtoxlife. There's a lot of people who call themselves like all sorts of other variations of Low Tox. Mm. I can't vouch for any of those. Low Tox Life is a trademarked set of words and that you can trust is me behind it. So that's how you find Smart. me. I like it. Perfect. Mm. And as I mentioned earlier, the website is just amazing everything that you need, lots of programs on there and yeah, just, just good stuff. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. Absolutely. Okay. You guys, I will see you next time.